Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Dave Barfield. And I'm Josiah Jones. And this is the Christ Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. We hope our show will encourage, challenge, and uplift you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In today's episode, we'll chat about our church, talk about the latest sermon, read some scripture, and as always, spend some time praying for you. So let's get to it. All right. Thank you all for being with us here today. Josiah, great to have you back after taking a week off. Well, it's great to be back, Dave. Yeah, and happy Cinco de Mayo to you. Sí, feliz Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> yes, people, are, you know, our listeners might not know that you do speak some Spanish, fair amount of Spanish, and that your favorite food is Mexican food. Claro que sí, como no. <laughs> Muy bien, I think. I'm not sure what you said, yes. but I'm sure I agree with it. Of course. So you love tacos. How not? Yes. You really do. Um, what is the background of that? How did you get into Mexican food and Spanish well, who doesn't like Mexican? Well, I agree. It's one of my favorites, but, too. But there is a backstory. Okay. I lived in Texas for 10 years, uh-huh. and I developed a taste for comida mexicana. Oh, what is that? That's, that's Mexican food. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Well, good. That's good. Yeah, I love Mexican food as well, and always fun to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, even though I hear from friends that have lived in Mexico that it's not as much of a holiday there as our July 4th is here. Uh, so I think we look forward to Cinco de Mayo probably more than some uh, of our friends in Mexico. But nonetheless... Any excuse to eat, right? Yeah, any excuse yeah. to eat tacos is good with me. So, all right, like I said, great to have you back. Um, uh, it was great to have Justin here last week and to have him uh, preach for us uh, a couple weeks ago and really enjoy Next Gen Sunday. Um, as you mentioned to me, you've, uh, uh, you appreciated seeing our next generation of, of uh, Christians from our church. Absolutely. Justin did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. It's great to hear students, uh, how they're wrestling with uh, challenges, but looking to Christ uh, in the midst of them. So I think there's a bright future for them and uh, for for our church as we seek to minister to the next generation. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. was really encouraged by it. Yeah, praise God for His covenant promises to Amen. From generation to generation. So speaking of church, as many of our listeners know, we are going to be returning to church, hopefully, yes. in the next couple of weeks. We're excited about uh, at least incremental progress in the fight against COVID-19. Why don't you give us a little bit of the uh, kind of the broad strokes of how we're opening up and what the dates are and things like that for our church? So again, Dave, uh, we're really grateful that during this pandemic, we have had the ability to continue to gather together and worship online. Mm-hmm. That has been an incredible blessing from the Lord, yeah. and it has been the result as well of a lot of hard work from our tech guys. Mm-hmm. So Lots of hours. We are very blessed yeah. and grateful for them. Uh, the reality is, we, uh, while we're grateful for that, it's just not the same as meeting together mm-hmm. in person. Yeah. Um, Zoom so, meetings are great, but Zoom, I'm getting tired of Zoom meetings. Yeah, exactly. And and I've had a number of people say, I can't wait till we just see each other face to face. And we were made for that kind of community. Mm-hmm. And so in God's providence, uh, we have been able to address this challenge, but we're grateful that we think we can move forward in a responsible way following the guidelines of our governor, the CDC, mm-hmm. and begin uh, in phases to 
to meet in person. So some specifics, maybe I could start us and you could fill in. So we're planning on what we call a dry rehearsal on the 17th Mm -hmm. with just a small uh, group because there are some challenges we got to make sure we work Mm -hmm. through with being in person as well as Mm -hmm. um, uh, live streaming. And then uh, inviting um, a larger group on the on May 24th. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of things that go into getting ready for that, and I know your team has worked mm-hmm. on that. Maybe you could tell us about that. So for the first Sunday that we'll be back together, May 24th, we want to have everything ready for that Sunday. So we're going to do that rehearsal, a dry run on May 17th for a small group of people. And in order to get to that, there's still a lot of tech work that needs to be done Because what we're hoping to do is we're going to continue the live stream, but then obviously we'll have people on site having services uh, or attending the service. And the technology for that with audio and then the live stream with video, it's pretty complicated. So we we need a few weeks still to get all of that sorted out. We're pretty much there, just had a last uh, little bit to to accomplish. Uh, So in order to do that, we're waiting till the 17th for a dry run for a small group of people. And then May 24th, we'll open it up uh, to the church family. Uh, of course, uh, encouraging people that are at risk to stay home, people o- over 65 or have underlying health issues. Um, so, again, we're excited to be back in person on the 24th, but we are still cautious. We want to be respectful of uh, both the state and federal guidelines and the needs of our people. Absolutely. And I would just add maybe two pastoral comments. The first is we recognize that there are a lot of people who have different perspectives mm-hmm. on uh, some think, hey, we should be moving more quickly. Others say, no, we should be moving more slowly. So we are doing our best mm-hmm. to seek uh, wise counsel, to seek God's face. And so it's important that we uh, give the judgment of charity, extend the judgment of charity to one another and do the best we can, trusting mm-hmm. the Lord all along. The second thing is uh, we continue to monitor the situation, and so things could change. And if they do, we want to respond appropriately. So. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for that. So speaking of church, why don't you give us a brief summary of last week's sermon then? Very good. So we started a new series this mm-hmm. past Sunday called No Other Name. Mm-hmm. And the impetus behind this is a, a, a question that's stirring up in my heart. What compels people to show extravagant kindness love and generosity to others, Mm -hmm. and not just (laughs) one's own family, Mm -hmm. friends, or even one's own faith, but to people who are very different, uh, even different beliefs, Mm. but who are in desperate need. Mm. And I think the answer is surprising, uh, because when we look at the early church, one of the things that was so compelling about the Christian faith from the beginning was... The early church, on the one hand, had a deeply held, exclusive conviction about Jesus. There's no other name Mm -hmm. given under heaven whereby people can be saved. But at the same time, they had this radically inclusive uh, mission Mm. to spread the love and message of Jesus. Mm. And we tend to think, oh, those two things are at odds. If you have this exclusive view Mm -hmm. about Jesus then you're um, then you're going to be narrow-minded. You're only going to care about those who believe in Jesus like you do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, the, it's the contrary. 
To the contrary, it is being convinced that there's only one Savior, and it's Jesus, <laughs> that when understood rightly biblically leads us to say, Actually, we all have the same common problem, mm. and there's only one Savior. And as we've experienced God's grace, we want mm-hmm. others to experience God's grace in the only place where it's found, mm. and that's in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So part of what we did then is I, I, I tried to make a case that there are three streams of evidence, as you, if you will, mm-hmm. that converge together in the early church that uh, in their hearts and minds that then compelled them, that that formed like this um, powerful river is the picture that I get of Mm -hmm. this deep conviction about Jesus that then flowed out as a mighty river uh, spreading the love and message Mm -hmm. of Jesus. As you were saying those things, I I was kind of, my mind went to an illustration uh, kind of in our setting now with COVID-19 and a lot of the healthcare workers that are putting their lives on the line uh, for other people. And there's something deep inside uh, that they w- that makes them want to help other people. Now, I understand there are professional implications and uh, their jobs tell them to or whatever, but there seems to be a general heart during this time that people want to help other people. And I, I think that was similar to the heartbeat of the church in the first few centuries. They were undergoing incredible stress and persecution and difficulty, and yet they had an incredible heart to reach out to the people around them, even to the people that were persecuting them. Yes, that is true. Now, I think what sometimes people don't realize, and some historians, like I I quoted uh, Rodney Stark, point out um, that during the time of the early church, it, that wasn't such a, a broad value among the Romans. Mm-hmm. For example, th- they didn't think that many people were worthy mm-hmm. of receiving such mercy. Mm-hmm. And so it was not a considered uh, uh, a great value of the Roman culture to love people who were different mm. than yourselves and to risk your own life and uh, your own reputation and and a number of other things Mm -hmm. uh, to reach out in mercy. So it was the gospel that that radically changed uh, perspective and impacted the Roman uh, culture and caused it to spread. And what Rodney Stark and other historians point out is we now highly value uh, showing love for people who uh, think and believe different mm-hmm. than we do, but that the 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 source of that was a Christian worldview and a gospel-based worldview um, that uh, spread with Christianity. And Jesus, right out right out of the gate in his ministry, kind of prepared his followers uh, for that very thing. I mean, back in Matthew uh, five in the Beatitudes and through seven. Uh, Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you. And that was contrary to what was going on at that time in the Roman Empire. He was preparing his followers for what would happen uh, in the coming centuries and down through the centuries with the persecuted church. And so it's not unusual then that that the church goes through these persecutions and yet we see this outpouring of mercy 
and love for the culture around us, even if that culture around us may not be exactly friendly or amenable to the exclusive claims of Christianity. Yes. So one way of putting it is, it's when we come to believe the gospel, we then become the gospel, Mm -hmm. at least a picture of it. So we believe the gospel. God came to love those who were his enemies, Mm -hmm. who rebelled against him, who were hostile toward Mm -hmm. him and toward his anointing. Which was us. We were all hostile hostile towards Christ until he worked. Exactly. And once we see that and Mm -hmm. believe the gospel, it transforms us so that we become the gospel Mm -hmm. in that the gospel begins to find expression in our doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why many people think, hey, the exclusive views of Christianity stand in the way of a radical kind of love for people who are different than us. But it doesn't. Everyone, Tim Keller has has been very helpful in this regard in pointing out how everybody has an exclusive uh, belief, even Mm -hmm. those who believe all religions are basically the same. They have an exclusivity that excludes those who believe there's only (laughs) one way, and they kind of look down as those ignorant people, Mm -hmm. right? Um, but Christianity has an exclusivity that leads to a radical inclusivity right. in terms of loving people very different and seeking to do them good, mm-hmm. because that's what God has done for us in Christ, even yeah. when we were his enemies. That's awesome. And part of the inclusivity, is that a word, inclusivity? Yeah. I know exclusivity is. <laughs> but the inclusiveness of Christianity yeah. isn't just cultural. It, it's it's how the gospel works. It can work at all times and in all places. A lot of world religions have to function at a certain city or a certain time of year or a, uh, a certain uh, guru or a certain yeah. leader. But Christianity can does work around the world at all times because Jesus has come. There's no one centralized location of worship. There's no pilgrimage that we have to do. Yes. The gospel is inclusive because it's for everyone in all places now. Yes, and it can be translated in different languages. So yeah. We can't don't just have to mm-hmm. have one, you know, Hebrew language mm-hmm. like in in for example Islam where the only legitimate language that mm-hmm. the, the Bible can the, the, the Quran, holy yeah. book can be contained in is in Arabic. Mm-hmm. So the, the incarnation means that mm-hmm. God comes and he is taken on flesh and the truth of the gospel then can be expressed across all different peoples and cultures and languages mm-hmm. because from the beginning the the promised one was to be the Messiah for mm-hmm. all peoples. And that takes me to to the Old Testament, because this goes all the way back to God's promises to Abraham, that yes. in him all the nations would be blessed. Yes. And early on in the history of the children of Israel, I think that was, that was kind of missed by the children of Israel because they focused on the promises to their nation itself instead of seeing how the Messiah that would come would bless all the nations of the world. And so you you talked extensively in your sermon about the Messiah and who he would be. And you took us to Isaiah, Isaiah 53, and you talked about the suffering servant and how that, in the eyes of many Jews, that's unacceptable because they want a conquering king, conquering Messiah, not necessarily a suffering Messiah. That's right. And we were just talking earlier, Dave, Mm -hmm. um, that in a sense, with David 
even, Mm -hmm. or Solomon. Mm -hmm. They got a conquering king, at least politically. Mm -hmm. But we discover uh, that's not enough. That doesn't deal with the root problem. In fact, we end up with kings who politically Mm -hmm. conquer, but yet have the same disease (laughs) of sin that that led to apostasy and uh, to great problems among the people of God. All of this cries out, we need a king Mm -hmm. who's different. Mm -hmm. We need a king who doesn't suffer from the disease of sin, Mm -hmm. but can cure it. Mm -hmm. That's the missing piece. That's awesome. That's Isaiah 53. Yeah. The conquering king, at least in a geopolitical sense, wasn't enough. There needs to be a conquering king that deals with the heart issue uh, that all the kings had. All the kings failed except for King Jesus because he could deal with the sin issue at the heart of all the world's woes, which is just a fabulous truth. And um, we love that our faith originated in what God did with the Jews, with his chosen people, and then folded us Gentiles into um, the great plan that he had all along. Amen. You know, Dave, I would just add one other thing. In the message, I I tried to point out when we look at Acts 4 in particular, that there is objective truth that leads to this deep conviction in Christ, Mm -hmm. but objective truth is not enough. There's Mm -hmm. a personal experience Mm -hmm. of the grace of Jesus Christ that comes through encountering Him Mm -hmm. that radically transformed the early disciples and led them to say, we cannot help mm-hmm. but tell what we have heard and seen. And, and this is one of the, the... Getting this is what I think helps us see how you can have confidence and yet not be arrogant. Mm-hmm. Because that personal experience of God's grace has nothing to do with our own intelligence or our own merit. I mean, the, the uh, early people who interacted with Peter and John could tell, these are common, uneducated men. There's nothing impressive about them. What was impressive was Jesus, and they had mm-hmm. come to experience his grace in a way that so moved them that they said, how can we not tell others who have the same need we have? Mm-hmm. He's the only one who's lived the life I was supposed to live and died the death I was condemned to die and was willing and glad to do that, not only for me, but for sinners just like me, whom I want to know His grace as well. Yeah, that's really good. And then the flip side of that, I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul, because here you have this respectable Jewish leader who had all the knowledge he knew the law inside and out. He knew what the prophet yes. said. And until he had that personal interaction with Jesus on the road to Damascus, he didn't understand. But once he did have that, then there was a deep humility to the point where he would call himself uh, the chief of sinners yes. and a slave to Christ and all these other things to show that he knew from whence he came. <laughs> he yes. knew that he persecuted the church and he hated Jesus. But when he had a personal interaction with Jesus everything changed. I think that's the key. You can have all the knowledge, you can know everything, you can be a leader in your current religious circle, but until you have a personal interaction relationship with Jesus, you'll be blinded to the truth. And then, but once you do, 
the truth becomes absolutely beautiful and you just want to share it with other people. Amen. Amen. In our next segment, we're going to take the time to hear God's Word. We want the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly. So as you listen, chew on these words, meditate on them, and thank God for the gift of His Word. And then afterward, we'll share some thoughts on today's passage. Today's passage is John 1, 29-34. Hear the Word of God. The next day he, that is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Josiah, what thoughts do you have from this passage today? Well, Dave, I would just draw attention to one thing, namely... Here, notice, John says, behold, the Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. He's making a connection to Isaiah 53, Mm -hmm. for one, where we're told about this suffering servant who will be like Mm -hmm. a slaughtered lamb. Mm -hmm. So in other words, all along, God's intention with the sacrificial system was to point beyond it Mm -hmm. to a person who would be the true Lamb of God, sinless, spotless, who could, unlike uh, the physical Lamb, Mm -hmm. live the life we are supposed to live, Mm -hmm. and yet willingly substitute Mm -hmm. his life for us to pay the penalty that we deserve to pay, to take away our sins and to reconcile us to a holy God. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful thing of grace. Yeah, amazing. I'm thinking back to the Old Testament scapegoat sacrifice where the high priest would lay his hands on the scapegoat, symbolically transferring the sin of the nation onto this goat, and then releasing the goat off into the wilderness. Yes. And this wasn't like he went frolicking out into a, a grassy field. It was released out into a desert to die with our sin on this scapegoat, and Jesus suffered outside the camp just like this scapegoat, all alone by himself, bearing the sins of his people. And I just love how the gospel has that substitution aspect where he took our place, and then the representative aspect where he did it in our place, he did it for us. Uh, Just the, the, the story that is woven together in the gospel is just so beautiful and so necessary, because if we didn't, we'd just be adrift. We wouldn't have any hope for forgiveness or any idea what even forgiveness means. But because Jesus came, all the Old Testament sacrifices make sense, Yes, and we see exactly what we need in Jesus. Yes. And may I just say, Mm -hmm. this is one of the powerful things about the Christian faith and about the Scriptures. There's one gospel Mm -hmm. from beginning to end. 
That's why I, I used to read the book of Leviticus, for mm-hmm. example, yeah. and think, holy smokes, why What's is this here? here? Let's skip over this. This is confusing. Yeah. All these sacrifices. Until you realize that this is our salvation. Exactly. This is telling us ahead of time the Savior we need. And you mentioned the scapegoat, mm-hmm. which is a picture of expiation, mm-hmm. sin being taken away. Mm-hmm. And you also have the picture of propitiation. So both of those come together in the sacrifice of Jesus mm-hmm. to uh, to provide for us our salvation. Propitiation, sacrifice, to, to turn aside the wrath of God because mm-hmm. he bears it for us. Mm-hmm. Expiation, to actually take our sins away, mm-hmm. to cast them away from us as far as the East is from the West. Full atonement has been provided by Jesus, and it was pointed to all the way back in the earliest times uh, in God's revelation. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's something called the Leviticus Syndrome. Have you heard of this? Do you know what the Leviticus... No, I haven't. Yeah, it, it happens around uh, February each year when people make a New Year's resolution to read through the Bible, and ah, they get stuck in yes. Leviticus, and they, fall sh- they stop because of the book of Leviticus. And, uh, you know, I just I think that... It is easy to get hung up on all of the laws and sacrifices and regulations, but if you could just keep with it and stick to it, you'll start to see how all of these things point to Jesus. And if this, if Leviticus didn't happen, yeah. Jesus wouldn't make as much sense as he did. But because Leviticus happened, oh, now Jesus makes tons more sense because I know what Leviticus says. So it really yes. is its a crucial book of the Old Testament. Yes. Awesome. As we close, we want to spend some time praying for you. At Christ Community Church, we believe prayer is a gift that connects us to the heart of Jesus. So Josiah, why don't you go first, and then I'll close. Glad to do so. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we stand again in awe that you would love us when we are your enemies. As we were reminded this past uh, Sunday, while we were still enemies, Christ died Mm -hmm. for us. He the he came as the Lamb of God. We deserved the lion who would judge and condemn us. He came as a lamb. He came to suffer and die in our place, to take away our sins. Oh, we do not ever want to get used to that, mm-hmm. this stunning display of radical love. Oh God, we ask that you would cause our hearts afresh to stand in awe and mm-hmm. see how much you have loved us. And so be compelled, believing the gospel, to become the gospel, to move out toward others, even as you move toward us with such radical, risk-taking love. Oh God, stir us up as individual believers, and as a congregation, that we might cross all bounds at all cost to share this 
wonderful, life-transforming love. And thank you, Father. You are stirring. Even this past week, I've received emails and texts from people who are saying, hey, I've got this friend I want to share Isaiah 53 with, mm-hmm. or Psalm 51, or just have a conversation before this person moves away. Lord, that's your love being poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, do it again and again and again, that we might see others share in the same gospel blessings. We ask this in the name of the Lamb of God, our Savior. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for every detail that you included in the Old Testament that seems obscure or odd to us as 21st century people, and we know that there's uh, truth there, and sometimes we miss it, but we just pray that you would give us eyes to see Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, no matter what passage it is, we thank you that you included this beautiful story, all the gory details in the, in the sacrificial system and the ceremonial system, uh, so that we would understand Jesus better. And so we just give you praise for your word, and we thank you that yes. uh, you revealed yourself in this way. Lord, I pray for anyone now uh, that is... Uh, suffering from um, this coronavirus uh, situation. Mm. Lord, anyone that has the virus that's listening, Lord, I pray that you would be very real to the, to them. Yes. Lord, that you would touch their bodies and heal them, uh, calm their fear, fears, uh, be real to them in new ways and give them your grace during yes. this time. For people that are fearful of the virus uh, and have may not yet have it or had it, we just also pray for grace that you would Uh, overcome our fears in our lives and not give us a spirit of fear, but give us a a spirit of love and power and of a a sound mind. And Lord, we pray for our church as we try to navigate these waters that we'll do so with wisdom, Mm -hmm. with peace, with love. We know that um, you've created us all to be unique and each one is made in your image and we all have different perspectives and hopes and, and fears. And so we ask that you would give us wisdom as we try to love each other well uh, through this time. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your sovereignty over all things, even COVID-19. And Lord, we do trust you. And we know that there are certain ways that we have unbelief and that we don't trust you. So we simply ask for your grace that you would help our unbelief. And we ask all these things in the great name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed this, we invite you to share it with family and friends. To learn more about our church, visit us online at ChristCommunityCarmel.org and join us again next week for the Christ Community Podcast. Until then, the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Amen. And God bless.